Hello everybody, my name is Neil White, I'm from Backpage. This is the big interview with Graham Hunter at the Euros. It's Wednesday morning, June 23rd. We're going to get this episode out to you as soon as we've finished recording this morning. And we've got a lot to get through before that. Last night, the curtain came down on Scotland's Euro. And everyone else in Group D advanced to the knockouts, which hardly seems fair. And today, we're going to wrap up Group F where it's still all up for grabs between France, Portugal, Germany and Hungary. And before that, around tea time UK, Spain learned their fate as everyone in Group E starts out with a shot at the top spot. And only Sweden, I think, know for sure that they'll definitely make it through. Graham Hunter in Seville. Have I got all that right? Look, the key part that you've got right is that um, I'm in Seville. It's the, uh, it's the denouement of our group. Um, it hasn't gone as anybody in Spain hoped, and nor how most of them expected. And the harsh fact is that um, by eight o'clock tonight, Central European time, Spain could feasibly be joining Scotland. And what was, I mean, we're allowed gallows humour. It was a short trip home for the lads last night, wasn't it? And you could pick up a fish supper and a bottle of iron brew on the way. Hey ho. Uh, so it feels like that's where we should start looking back before we look forward um, and we'll get to England, the group winners in due course. But let's start with Scotland and indeed Croatia, because that was a different Croatia team that we saw last night. And at times, if you could take away the heartache and the pain, they were actually a joy to watch. One of the things that we're trying to do as a football nation, I think, is is not grow up, but but catch up with the way that during our absence from the upper echelons of European club football and absence from tournaments has has stunted our development, our understanding, our maturity. One of the things that will help us is looking at ourselves. And, And Scotland, you know, they gave us a lot of entertainment across the group. They gave us a lot of entertaining chances again last night. But when there's a similar tale of woe, you you have to look at the causes. And um, my criticism has to be constructive because there was a lot to like about Scotland last night again, which included, I mean, just chance creation is quite a noble art in any high-level football. And it was there again, which implies um, a degree of creativity, a degree of um, acceptable risk, which implies momentum and self-belief and all of those things are good. And I, and I do accept that Croatia, I, I don't know whether they felt more rested between games. I don't know if they saw us as not sitting ducks, but relatively easy prey. But they went into the game knowing, not hoping, knowing not just that they would do it, but how to do it. And we helped them. And the two key things that I want to pinpoint, if we're being anal- retrospectively analytical about that game as, as a microcosm for the whole campaign. First of all, it doesn't make a, a mirage out of what happened at Wembley. Scotland's performance, particularly in midfield, had been as tight and as correct and as confident against Croatia as it was against England then the margin wouldn't have been 3-1 and there would have been an opportunity to to take a a valiant but useless draw and maybe sneak a win. Right across um, the comparisons between the two, 
time on the ball, the number of times the ball wasn't given away at Wembley, the number of times Scotland didn't have to chase. Before McGregor's goal, managers in sport often talk about a result, maquillaje, what do you call it? Covering up or being nice makeup for a performance. And I think if you look at the performance just before uh, McGregor's goal, it was patently clear who had the upper hand. And it was patently clear that we were doing far more running and chasing and draining energy than was necessary. And largely that was because Croatia are extremely technically good in midfield and are highly experienced at how to manage games like this. And they saw nothing out of the ordinary. They've, each of them have probably done this across their career somewhere between 250 or 300 times before. And if you talk about muscle memory, the same is true for mental memory if you're, if you're as good as, as their midfield is. But for us to compound that by regularly not holding on to possession, to regularly gifting the ball away, regularly our controls in, in meat and two veg areas of the pitch were you know, like the control of a, of a big old oak tree, you know, not, not particularly velvet, not what was needed on the night. And I think that the compounding thing, Steve Clark ended one of his summaries about the positives of the campaign and, and how much there was to learn with saying lots to learn for the head coach too. And I, I, I want to be constructively critical here because he got it bang on right playing with Tomney in the back three at Wembley. And there were excellent forwards to contain there. And in midfield, the trust level was that, that Gilmore and others, because McGregor and McGinn played well there too, could handle holding the ball and make England work and give Scotland time to breathe, time to think, time to construct. And it worked. And it's, it's the most natural thing in life, never mind in sport, to repeat. But with Gilmore out, and now looking at the way in which Croatia's midfield had time, it, it, the construction didn't look right. I would have been happy to see Henry in the defence. And OK, there were, you know, there was bad luck along the road because Hanley went off injured. It still surprised me a little bit that it was McKenna, not Henry. But nonetheless, um, Henry in the, in, the, in the back division against Croatia and McTominay saying to Modric, I, I, can, I, can, make, I can make your night horrible. You're not going to get time. You're not going to get to turn. You're not going to spray the ball about. Because it wasn't just what he did individually, certainly not just individually that goal. But he, he pushed and prompted and made other colleagues in, in red and white feel confident, have time on the ball. And it's easier this morning than it was in the build-up to the game to make that decision. But it feels like as soon as they knew that Gilmore was out, a decision of that sort should have been made. It doesn't. It didn't feel right, and that led to, you know, our possession and our pass accuracy, stat, accuracy stats went went significantly down. Just keeping the ball. The difference between a steady, clear, confidence, confident maintenance of possession against England compared to what we saw against Croatia makes massive. Massive differences. So um, I honestly feel that's the principal, those are the principal things that went wrong. One, one positional misjudgment and then a consistent allowing of Croatia to do what they knew was exactly the right thing for the game. And, and that's a learning process. But we, we've 
we've not let the tournament down in terms of um, it's been far nicer to watch Scotland play and try and fail than it has been to watch some of the teams who, who might go through with three points and, and we've got a few of them in this group but it's not a whole hell of a lot of fun There have been worse tournament exits for Scotland over the years than, than this one I think if you could get one of the three games back it would still be the Czech Republic one uh, did you, because I'm sure we were both tuned in live to Scotland, did you get the chance to see how England completed their group phase? I did a little because we had split screens. We had, not split screens, we had two parallel um, screens. And um, therefore I glimpsed at England. There's one guy I follow on, on Twitter who has an even higher regard for Saka than I do. And I've been talking about Saka now for a year, year and a half with our sponsors, Bet365. And I've had the fortune of interviewing him once. And given that there's patently an awful lot for him to still learn and, and, and development that will be associated with that, and given that he's often played, you know, he can be played in three different positions. Um, the, Twitter fo- the, t- the Twitter guy I follow, he said, it'll be, Saka will be man of the match. And when you see that coming off, I really, I really like that. And, and, one of the things I'm pretty pleased about was that on the preview to the England game, I said, Grealish has to start, Maguire should start. And my arguments were that if Maguire was match ready, then you play him in the game that is not make or break. And Grealish, he's changed, I think, across the last 18 months dramatically in that um, last season when they avoided relegation was really his first full Premier League season where he played the right number of games. And you could see last season that um, he stood out but like over the last 9, 10, 12 months his, his physique has changed and his ability to get away from people has changed he holds people off well he takes the fouls well just beyond the fact that he pops up the goal for Sterling and, and I was arguing that he has to play I'm just really satisfied for him because he is the type of player that um, maybe in, in my past watching England in the 70s players like him were often ignored and didn't get the number of caps that, that they deserved. And, you know, it was you, you and I sat at the um, Stan Petrov interview and off yeah. mic, you know, won't exactly reveal what Petrov was saying, but he had concerns back then, for real deep concerns for Grealish. Well, you know, the, the picture of what we're watching now compared to what somebody who dearly loves Aston Villa and, and who thought well of Grealish's abilities was worried might happen. The picture is radically different. You know, England have made themselves much harder to score against and they've dealt with the group really, really professionally and they've left us all with the question marks about could they win in, in a toe-to-toe sparring match with one of the better sides? We're really left with that worry. But, you know, good luck to them. Um, we, we could do with nicking one or two, not one or two other players but one or two of the things that they do. And then we might be a little bit less uh, flashing blade and a little bit less Zorro up front, but we we might be moving closer to qualification. (laughs) Okay, let's park last night's action there, take a very quick break, and when we come back, we'll look at Spain, groups E and F coming up. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. Our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter support us and we are asking them for their questions every day as this tournament unwinds. Socios, keep them coming. New guys, new socios, Liam Jones, Shona McGovern, Simon Delaney, we're looking at you. Jump on board. Here's Lee Allen showing you how it's done. Lee replied to our post on Patreon and he asked, do you think that Spain will play better as they play better opposition? Because no disrespect to the three teams in their group. They've done their job brilliantly, but they defend deep and play for a draw. Now, Lee's question, I suppose, assumes that Spain have the opportunity to play against better teams in the knockout stages. So let's go along for the ride at the moment. We'll get on to the likelihood or, or otherwise of that presently. But is there something about the Spain team? And I think we, we asked the same question about England a couple of episodes ago that might be better suited to a, a toe-to-toe match as opposed to a catch-weight competition. Well, hello to all the socios that you mentioned, Neil. Hello to all of you and thanks to all of you for just even listening and being involved. Um, it makes us excited. It makes us happy. The, I think you and Lee asked two different questions. And I think that's really important. He said a better side and you said toe-to-toe. I think that Spain is not such a developed national side at the moment that um, you could say they will play a better side than they've faced in this group and therefore they'd have a really good chance of winning. I think that there are a lot of international sides who will pick them off and and some who will bully them. Um, I still think that across this 11, they're a little bit athletically slow. Lee, you, you might see Spain looking more... Um, interesting, thrilling. You you might see them expressing themselves better against the better side. In recent times, they've pumped um, Argentina by six. They've pumped uh, Croatia, I think, also by six. And I was at the Croatia game in Elche and it felt like there was another four or five goals in Spain's tanks. They pumped Germany by six um, under Lopetegui. They destroyed Italy 3-0. And, and again, I was at that match and it was thrilling. And in the main, those are games where either the rival has been a little bit undercooked, missing a player or two, but in the main, it's when they've come out to play. And Spain have, have clicked. The speed of passing totally annihilates Spain's often slightly athletic deficiencies. You, you would never say that over sprints, Thiago's particularly quick, nor is Busquets, nor is Isco. But their brains and their techniques are lightning fast. And when you open up that possibility, Spain still, even though you would say that there are clear absences from the squad that, that should be there, which include Jesus Navas and Thiago Aspas and Sergio Ramos and others, um, particularly Ansu Fati, which, who could have made an impactful difference in that, albeit that he's extremely young, his pace and his daring and the fact that he's also a very good finisher has made a difference that he's not here. 
my view of this Spain squad and, and the 11s we've seen so far isn't such that I would say to you, Lee, I agree that simply if they played a better side, then you know we'd, we'd see them more likely to win. We might see them more thrilling, more entertaining, yes. But there are a group of footballers from different clubs who played 3-5-2 for their, for their club sides all season and did well with it, which includes Koke and Llorente, often not always playing 3-5-2 and winning the title. Aspilicueta's season being utterly... Um, Reinvented by Tuchel, who gave him the captaincy, who made him fixture in the side, and who's 3-5-2. Whether you like the quality of Tuchel's Chelsea and their football or not, it did make them European champions. And it did get them a top four position when there were stages of the season when you'd thought that was impossible. Spain are using a system in 4-3-3 that I'm not convinced that in current form is right for them. They've got a lot of players who look sluggish. And it isn't just a pitch. So, um, toe-to-toe, bring it on. The sooner the better. Can't wait. Um, would they automatically be better against all the good teams, all the better teams? No, I think there are teams in this tournament who, when it comes to it, would pick them off. I don't know if that includes Slovakia or not. A draw's good enough for them, and not so for Spain. So, that seems to suggest that we could end up with another one of these challenges for Luis Enrique's team about how to solve a sort of deeply defensive puzzle. Is that how you see this one going? Yeah, I agree. He certainly said um, yesterday that his idea was that this is going to be just as frustrating as any of um, the previous two games. What troubles me a little bit isn't simply the fact that Slovakia will sit in and defend. It's that we're generally worried about a side that recently drew 2-2 with Malta, struggled badly to beat Ireland, 0-0 draw on on penalties, struggled hugely to beat Northern Ireland, um, drew 1-1 with Israel, lost to Israel at home. If Spain liked the the, the blue touch paper, then there might not be a problem. It's what a couple of players said yesterday about we are ready to explode into this tournament. There is... Um, a surge coming yeah maybe um, but what I saw against Poland was nerves as soon as the penalty was missed it was a very within their shell let's not lose we're still trying look look how hard we're trying but we don't want to lose this one the first time I heard Lucy and Ricky use different vocabulary about this side was yesterday when he talked about unblocking themselves now you can miss chances but he, he, if he means that phrase, and remember, he's accompanied all the time by Joaquin Valdez, his sports psychologist, who's literally on his elbow all the time. If he thinks they're blocked, then obviously that's very dangerous because that's a psychological condition. It can, it can be cured, but tournaments don't give you a lot of time for that. So if you said to me right now, at the end of the game, would you be shocked if Spain had drawn? I'd say, no, I wouldn't be shocked. I do expect them to win. Um, I do expect there to be changes in the team. I think Thiago comes into the team and I think that's overdue. And, it, he, and starting, Busquets will come back and that makes a difference. He, he, if Slovakia achieved the idea of running past him and making him turn and chase, that's really bad for him and bad for Spain. But if he's the chief organiser of unpicking the lock, he's very good at it still. And I think a lot of the questions are going to be about can Spain move the ball quickly enough that Busquets, 
you know, first touch pass or one twos can be the difference. Our last task for today is to select our player of the day, a feature brought to you by our sponsors, Bet365, and your smorgasbord for this uh, selection is the games in Spain's group. So I'll allow you to pick from Spain versus Slovakia and Poland, Sweden, and also the evening round of games, which concludes the fascinating group that features France, Portugal, Germany, and Hungary. I think it's an easy pick, uh, Neil, and there are new reasons behind this. One, um, I didn't fall for all this. Oh, isn't it lovely? Let's look at Budapest. And they've got big crowds in there and they're living the, the great life. And never mind the pandemic. There's an ugly thing going on in Hungarian football. There are ugly elements and they're on the rise. I know that Hungary are bottom of this group, but I want them smashed to smithereens against the Manshaft and out of this tournament so that it teaches some of the people who espouse values that I despise a lesson and leaves them crying into their beer. So um, I could pick just about anybody in, in Jogi Love's side. I picked Josh Kimmich last time and boy, did he come home for us because he was utterly outstanding against Portugal. I, I don't know uh, Yogi Love's um, selection plans and, and it's clear he's dealing with one or two players who look quite tired. And one of them is a friend of this show. Ilkay uh, Gundogan is a fabulous footballer. He's bright and articulate. He stands for things that, that we like. It's the exact opposite of some of the elements in the Hungarian support and some of their politics. Gundogan is um, inspirational and... I think has been running a little bit on empty and whether he starts or comes on, and I hope he starts, this can be a game where he gives himself that little spark of of enthusiasm and life and arrives around the box and gets the goal. I'm confident that Germany will do the business. They seem to be physically and mentally on the rise, um, which is good for the tournament because you know, even though I watched them being dismantled 6-0 in Seville last November... When they play, they, they really play. And um, it, it, I picked their defeat to France as one of the epic, epic matches in the early stages because he, he, they did everything but win. And they went to town against Portugal. And I hope they do the same against Hungary for all the reasons I've stated. And because he's a gifted footballer and because it will mean an awful lot to him and because he's a friend of the show, Bet365, man of the day, is come on, Ilkay Gundogan. Which is a fantastic way to bring today's show to a close. We'll be back tomorrow, but for now, thank you very much, Graham Hunter and Seville, and thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy your football today.